We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, young White Sox fans. Welcome to Guaranteed Rainfield, the home of your Chicago White Sox. Hey, I know that voice. Now it sounds like a collector's item. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage. Saturday. I'm saying it's Saturday. The voice you heard is our next guest, doing what we all expect to hear him do, among other things. Joining us now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, is Gene Honda, who should be talking at all events, whether it was the Final Four or White Sox games or Blackhawks playoff games at this time of year. The busiest public address announcer hasn't had a chance to say anything as there's no sports to publicly address. Gene, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I, I'm, I'm worried about the other things you say I'm supposed to be doing. So, <laughs> Oh, well, I, we, I just so used to, you're the busiest man, and, and Shannon Ryan wrote the story um, earlier this week in the Tribune about your um, – you know what what the normal work was and so we wanted to check in i also also had an idea but check in to see how you're doing you're just used to doing so much now and nobody's really doing anything so so how are you how are you filling the time going through files that have are probably a decade plus old and just going through and sorting things you know you get yeah you get busy and what happens is you come home and you drop stuff off in a pile, and then one pile leads to a second pile, to a third, <laughs> and they have a they have a nasty habit of just staying that way. They're very organized piles, but not very clean and not very organized. So this has been fun, actually, a chance to go through and uh, look at some old things and go through some old things. What was the what What have you found? What's the most surprising thing you found going through all that? So I got asked to, to narrate a concert back, I think it was 2003, 2004. Uh, ever heard of a video game called Final Fantasy? Uh, the music score for the games has always been very, very good. And someone had the idea of touring a concert with a full symphony, and they needed a narrator for the one here in Chicago. So I'm going through all these files, and what do I come across? The script for that show. So, you know, things like that that I never expected to either keep, have, or find one of those three. 
So All that's right, just Gene, putting... I gotta I gotta ask you um, because when I when I hear your voice, obviously people identify your voice with a lot of things, but mostly for me, mm-hmm. it is going to to White Sox games and the 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 name with which I have found you to be most identifiable with is Frank <laughs> Thomas. Frank Thomas. I want to know if I'm onto something there. And I guess, let me make this very simple. What have been your favorite White Sox names to say during your tenure with that organization? That would be really high on the list. Oddly enough, the three that people, and I hate doing this because, you know, I'm not working it. It's hard to duplicate because there's an excitement of sitting there in the ballpark when you do those names. But the three that people remember the most are Frank. Carlos Lee mm-hmm. and Juan Uribe. <laughs> really? Really? Now, yes, those three. More so than Robin Ventura, Ozzie Guillen, any of those other players. It's Frank, it's Carlos, it's Uribe. And I, I still I, haven't figured out why. Frank, I kind of understand. But yeah. the others, well, you scratch your head a lot. <laughs> Well, what was well it Carlos Lee was Uribe. Carlos Lee was a very popular. Yeah, Uribe. I mean, Lee was very a very popular player. I wouldn't call him a great White Absolutely. Sox, but he was very popular. Uribe had his own little kind of cult following. So yeah, I don't the, the Uribe one doesn't stick out. But yeah, I could hear you. I could hear your Carlos Lee for sure. I could that 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 rings a little bit in my ear. Yeah, those are the three. I, it's 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 amazing that that. For all the great players that we've had since I started, and when I started, it dates back to Carlton Fisk, Harold Baines, Rod Kittle. But those three are the ones that people come look up to you wide-eyed and going, I love the way you say or said that. Those are the ones. (laughs) Are there, do you get the same response with Blackhawks? Do you have people coming up to you telling what their favorites is, what their favorites are? Oddly enough, not so much players as much as when we go to the power play. Uh, for some odd reason, uh, they get excited about hearing that a power play is coming up. So, I, and I have to thank the Blackhawks for that. It was their idea to start doing that. So, thank you, Blackhawks. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, it's a very it's a the the P sound is a very powerful alliteration. So when you say power play, I mean, even just the word power coming out of your mouth, Gene, there's some strength to that. I also, for some reason at Blackhawks games, one of the things I like too is some of the mundane, like after the goal has been scored and then you go through, whether it's for home or away, and then you go through all the statistics, like uh, goal number 15 for Patrick Kane, assisted by Duncan Keith and, Jonathan Taves. I mean, just just the parenthetical stuff to me, I always find very interesting, and there's sort of a a sinister, scary sound to it that I always liked. Oh, I like the scent. Thank you, sinister, scary. I like that. That's, right. Yeah, that's, that's what it nice is. Like, I don't know why. Yeah, I, don't, I know it's a really like strange it. way to to describe it, but like I always I always like that stuff. Like your voice just kind of and unlike know, other sports. In. Yeah, unlike other sports, the National Hockey League rules. In the rule book says that the PA announcer has to announce penalties, goals, all those things twice. Not once, twice. Hmm. That's okay. in the rule book? Yes, it is. I had no idea. For as much as I've covered the NHL, I didn't know there was a rule book. 
uh, <clears throat> addressing the public address announcer. Yeah, that's and why I must... do it twice. I don't have a stuttering problem to that extent, but uh, sometimes <laughs> I do. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, well, I thought I had an idea to give you some to give you some work and do some good. I have no Uh-oh. idea if the teams will go along. Do some with good. It. We'll do good. some good. But and I, they have some different definitions here. Yeah, I know. For once, but, in, for once in your life, Gene, you're going to do some good. All right. I know. No, no, this wow, once in my it's life. All this time in my some... life to get to this point. Right, and it's coming from Steve Rosenblum. Right, so you should be scared, and it should be sinister, and that that explains the okay, whole voice. Okay, here's that scary and sinister part again. But but there are the both both the Sox and the Hawks, for instance, like a lot of teams, have have foundations in which they have charitable arms that they they are now dedicating money. They're sending, they're funneling money to um, help the fight yes. COVID nineteen. Sometimes it's for hunger to feed families and, and the United Center has been a staging ground for for distributing food to people who need it. And uh, other times it's raising money to help um, by mass or, or to help first responders, to help the doctors and nurses on the front line, which are all good causes. So I ran this by a friend and I said, if Gene Honda were to say, now batting, your na- he's a Sox fan, Brad is now batting. That's good to know. Number 35, Brad, and he has an unpronounceable last name. Um, oh, good. You know, number third base. I said, would you pay 25 bucks if you could get that recording of a lifetime of Gene Honda saying your name as part of the Sox batting order? And he said immediately, Brad said, yes, I would. Where do I sign up for this? So I thought that there were Blackhawk fans who would want you to announce their name and probably some relatives or friends in a goal call with the two assists or as a Sox in a, in a somebody in a plate appearance and put their name there. And I thought people might be able to to would be willing to pay for it and would contribute to the t- charity of the Sox or the Hawks. And I didn't had no idea if you'd go along with it. So we're sort of playing this out on the air running a risk here that we don't know the answers to. But what are your thoughts on that, the money going to eventually going to a good cause, Gene? How long are you guys on the air today? <laughs> Why is that? Till two. We have to get off. They have NFL football games to replay. You want to do you want to put it up for bid? Put it up for bid? You mean like only only one? It would do one and the highest bid gets you to do that announcement? I'm just throwing out that idea. How does that sound okay. with you? I think that sounds great. How do we pull that it. off? Are we allowed to do that? Can we? Are we allowed to do? I don't know. There are rules about contests on the radio. That's why I'm I'm a little leery about saying that. I'm not I, sure. I do want to do it. I don't know what's legal you know, and what's I took, not. Yeah, well, I took an FCC. I took an FCC rules and regs course back when I was in college, and I didn't do too well in it. So you're going to have to find that out. <laughs> okay. All I right. could I could chime in a little bit on this guy. Well, it meant reading it meant reading the textbook, and who does that nowadays? Right, I know nobody nobody <laughs> I know of. Here here's uh, Adam Stadzinski, our executive producer. Adam, what are the what are the laws here that we're dealing with? So I would say that it's this sounds like we have a contest in the making, and so I don't think it's something <laughs> we can pull off today. But if we want to try and do it on a future show, like next week or the week after, so we can get all the logistics put in place, then I think we could pull it off. 
Okay. Okay. We're not on next week because the NFL draft. Grody will be on, but this show won't be on. Oh, that's right. So we do have a couple weeks, and and we could get all the things in in all the things in order to see if we can even pull this off. But Gene, I love your idea. And, and, if we put it up for bid, and just for the and, logistics, what I can do is because of my my studio at home is I can con- Adam can contact me. I can record it here at home, and then send it to Adam to be able to send to your winner. Oh, I love that. That is really wow. that's professionally done by a professional announcer compared no, to No, it's done me. by me. I don't know who your professional announcer <laughs> going to get for this. It's done by me. Hey, speaking of that. that, Gene, we have a text here, Gene, from the 773 area code that says to you, I'd like to apologize to Gene Honda for drunkenly yelling at him for his choice of songs when he was spinning records at C.O. Daniels in Champagne in 1981. Is, were you doing that in 1981? If it paid, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's the 81. It wasn't C.O. Daniels, I think. Yes, it was. Um, oh, wait a minute. It was Dooley's. Dooley's I think they okay. were using the name Dooley's. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. Oh, let's see. Tomorrow's confessionals, but we can start early. Um, <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, yes. Uh, Part of the ways that we made beer money when I was starting as a disc jockey in Champagne uh, involved mirror balls and flashing lights. Uh, yes, we did disco, and that was a, there was a a bar that was there on campus, and yeah, that's where I worked. Were you wearing a white suit? You know, were you really all discoed out? No, no, they, no, they didn't make them that big back then. <laughs> okay. Well, Gene, I really appreciate your joining us. It's it's wonderful to talk to you, and thank you for I love your idea, uh, focusing the idea we came up with, and we will work on this, and we'll see how we can pull this off because I think it's it's for a good cause, and I love the auction idea, and you you do one, and somebody gets a gift of a lifetime. I think that nobody ever thought they'd be in the majors, or nobody ever thought they'd score a goal at the United Center, and suddenly. There it is. Gene Honda is telling you it's true. So I think that's terrific. Yeah, I hope we get a bid higher than like 50 cents. Please tell me it's higher than 50 cents. I think my, my friend Brad would go as high as 25 bucks to start with. So I think that okay. we're going to go right past that. Okay. Gene, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Stay no, well. No, my pleasure. Thanks for giving me a break from cleaning house. <laughs> okay. Get those piles done. Get those piles oh, done. Please. They're getting lower. Honest, they are. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gene. Thank you, guys. Bye, Gene. See you, man. That's Gene Hunt. Well, that's a that was that's good. a great idea. We'll get on that because we were we we're as Peoria Matt notes on the text line. By the way, the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Uh, that was a solid on-air production meeting. Yeah, it's kind of what it was. <laughs> we kind of knew we were going to have to do that. Well, we had a production meeting over Twitter today, right? We just kept, here's what we we're going to do. Which turned out to be extremely efficient and was better than having a phone call. Because really, who wants to talk person to person on a telephone these days? Right, or FaceTime it or whatever. Although I will be doing that after the show with my um, with Allie and Brandon. So, um so I, I love that 
that Gene was um, a fan of the idea that he would, his idea of he'll do one, we put it up for, for auction, and you could have your, your, your name, your plate appearance or a goal scored, um, and Gene would do that from his home studio. So that was a pretty solid thing online you know you're doing it that, maglio that ordonez no that was um we had people the, making I, requests by the way did you see on the text line sure yeah give yeah. me some maglio gene jose <laughs> valentine oh jose valentine was a good one too that sounded good coming out of the mouth of gene honda the jose valentine for sure i know that um, i know that guys definitely tanny was smiling somewhere when you said juan uribe is one of the fan favorites <laughs> I know Tanny's a big Uribe fan. So am I. I mean, who doesn't like Juan Uribe? Yeah, yeah you know what? If, pretty... he were, if, he, if he were, he did something that was more dramatic at a time than Derek Jeter. And if he were in New York, he would have been celebrated like that. That catch, they're running in the stands, that, that was in the World Series. That was, one that of the, most, was the thing. It's one of the most underrated catches in World Series history. Uh-huh. Because no one talks yeah. about it, but it was unbelievable, and it and it got them to two outs. Like it was such a big out. Well, and apparently, if he was to use his jock strap to make a COVID nineteen mask, it would be it would cover the entire body, from what I understand. <clears throat> yes, moving right along, um, we will uh, take a break. When we come back, there was the Cubs won the World Series last night. Did they not, Mark? Didn't they win the World Series? I heard it right here on the score. The Cubs won the World Series. The Cubs did win the World Series last night, and there was one thing that I wanted to tune in for last night, and it was not a Cubs highlight. Well, we will come back with that. I mean, you were there. You you were part of all of it. So let's let's go let's go break down Game Seven and what you what you were listening for as we had. Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer and joined by Joe Ostrowski as they went through the nine and 10th innings and post-game show and, and they relived it. And Mark was there. He was in the booth. He was part of it. So we'll come back with that. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series! The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over, and the celebration begins. 
Cubs won the World Series last night. Right here on the score. The score replayed 17 games in 17 days. The 2016 postseason that the Cubs had, and it culminated last night in Game 7 of the World Series. And I know you were listening for something, Mark. What I what just struck me in listening to that, having heard earlier Friday night, but never really noticing it until just now. Pat and Ron talking about how Game 7 in Cleveland was the what they thought was the best attended by Cubs fans. And then hearing his call and the Cubs winning the World Series in Cleveland sounded like a home game. That's what just struck me. Yeah, I mean, obviously there was a lot more Cleveland fans than Cubs fans in the ballpark. However... There was a lot of last-second Cubs fans somehow figuring out ways to get tickets and make their way to the ballpark from wherever they were because it was damn Game 7, so they were going to find a way. And obviously the only fans that would be cheering after the final out were going to be Cubs fans, so it sounds like there's a ton of... And there were. I mean, there were a ton of Cubs fans there, but I don't want to like exaggerate and make it sound like there was more Cubs fans than Cleveland fans, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was epic. It was a, I, I felt it right away when it happened. Like a lot of people say there's like a delayed response. It takes a while for it to sink in, to know what, what really just happened. I had all the feelings when it happened. Like it just, it's, it struck me right away. What a, what a massive moment that was for the Cubs organization, for Cubs fans, for those players, obviously on the field. I felt it all. However, and I think I expressed this to you, that throughout this time that we have replayed every single playoff game from 2016 that the Cubs were in, I really, I, I've, I've listened a little bit. I've been in and out with it, but it, I, I have not gone out of my way to listen to too much of it because I was there and it there was so much energy and emotion that we all put into to that time and that work that it's been kind of hard for me to go back to it. And I've had trouble expressing why. However... Last night, there was something that I was waiting to listen to. I went out of my way to tune into this moment. And this was the, air quotes, highlight that I wanted to hear. Davis drives with a deep left down the line in the corner. That ball is a home run. That was... Are Are you kidding me? What are you doing, Wagner? But what that are you was doing, Grody? That Pat Hughes calling the Rajay Davis two-run homer off of a roll to Chapman. I want to say that there was either two outs or two strikes. I think it was two outs at the time to tie up the ball game. And it was, obviously, that, that's a nightmare. That was about as deflating of, of a moment as I felt in my three years in the Cubs booth doing pre- and post-game. But I wanted to listen to it because my attitude was, because I never really listened back to it because it was just such a horrible moment. It was like, Rajay Davis, you can't hurt me now. You can't hurt me. And 
it was interesting to listen to it and knowing knowing what the final product would be that even though that happened and listening as an objective baseball listener that was entertaining as hell that that if you if you're not a fan of either team that wow what a what a cool moment that Rajay Davis ties the game up to make this dramatic game even more dramatic and he wasn't going to be able to hurt me so it was it was all good and it was almost like I had this feeling of, you know what, doesn't matter, Cleveland fans, guess what? You're still not going to win this game. It's still not going to happen for you. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and then, you know, there's two other things that strike me from from that game. And there were so many great moments and interesting moments that there was the and I, I don't want to say I forgot this, but it doesn't like go to the front of my brain anymore is after Joe Madden takes out. Kyle Hendricks to everybody's dismay for the most part. John Lester comes into the game. He throws that wild pitch where two guys scored. Two mm-hmm. guys scored on a John Lester wild pitch to make it five to three at the time. And you're just like, okay, the nightmare is beginning. The the Rajay Davis thing further added to the potential nightmare cubby occurrence scenario. Um, and then, and then something that gets lost in all of this too. And, and I, I know people all, some people point this out. Most people don't that Ben Zobrist had the, the big hit down the third baseline, but the, the com- the most comforting hit of that entire game seven was Miguel Montero's single to drive in a second run to make it a two run game. And of course that guy, Rajay Davis had an RBI hit in the, um, in the, in the 10th in the inning to make it a one-run game. Now, I will say this, that the only reason Cleveland had a runner on second that Rajay Davis was able to knock in is because the Cubs allowed that man to steal second. It was, um, you know, catcher's indifference or defensive indifference. They allowed him to get into scoring position, so he probably doesn't get into scoring position if it's a one game at the time. But still, it's amazing the comfort that a pitcher has when he has a two-run lead as opposed to a one-run lead. So a little bit of uh, peripheral credit to old Miggy Montero. Yeah, he he's he, two hits in in the playoffs. One's a gram and the other one drives in the eventual what would turn out to be the difference in a World Series after 108 years. And I had picked up the game in the last night in the Bottom, uh, top of the fifth. And I forgot that Zobris sent, Rod, the Rajay Davis finished, he was all over this game. He sent Rajay Davis back to the fence in the top of the fifth. And like five more feet, and there's not even a threat. You don't even need Jason Hayward. There's no, no need to pray for a, a, a rain out. None of that. And, and the ball was caught. So suddenly... It's only a five to one lead. And then we get to the bottom of the fifth and suddenly Kyle Hendricks is sailing along and Joe's going to be Joe and Joe's going to manage. And I turned it off. I got angry all over again Mm. at forcing a script that didn't need to be forced. Kyle, if you Kyle Hendricks could do to the Dodgers what he did in a decisive game, then he could certainly do it. To, and I mean, in a clinching game, that he could certainly keep doing what he was doing. And he was so on against Cleveland. You didn't have to bring in John Lester and force it and give Lester a dirty inning. But 
Joe script. I got angry. I just stopped it. I said, okay, I know how this turns out. Thank God I do. But I got angry all over again at the way he managed it and forced his script into the game. Yeah, I mean, there was... No, I agree. I mean, there was... There was no reason to do it, and you know maybe he followed a script, and maybe Joe Madden was feeling some of the pressure and some of the jitters of of Game Seven and the meaning behind it. I, I just another thing I remember too was, you know, obviously there there was two things that I was just dreading, and you know number one was the rain delay, and luckily it only lasted 17 minutes, and I did not want to do a post game show where the Cubs lost that game you know our boss Mitch Rosen was with us and helping us throughout and guiding us throughout this whole thing I almost told Mitch Mitch um I am uh, I'm quitting that's it for me have somebody else back in Chicago do the post game show I know I can't I'm not going to put a two-week notice in I was like I don't want to do a post game show for the Chicago Cubs where they lose game seven like that like that because could you imagine? Because I mean, I mean, it's amazing to think about how history would have changed and where we would be and what we would be talking about right now, right now, if the Cubs had had lost that game in that fashion, where the manager made controversial decisions, where Rajay Davis hits um, a game-tying two-run homer against Aroldis Chapman, the guy that you bring in to as your as your whopper move for some pretty hefty for a pretty hefty price. And then they obviously inevitably would have to lose the game in extra innings. I can't imagine what that would have been like. Instead, they win the game. And that, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people who grew up Cubs fans, it wiped out all the horrible occurrences in the Cubs past. And I just go back to 19, like the, the worst things that happened in my lifetime as a Cubs fan were obviously 1984 and then 2003. There's a lot of other things that occur. I mean, people go back to 69, and if you want, you could you could throw in 89. But, I mean, that was just more of an ass-whipping from, from Will Clark. 07, 08, where they just get their asses swept by, you know, Arizona and the L.A. Dodgers. But to me, the, what that did, that slow ground ball to Chris Bryant, the throw across to Anthony Rizzo, all the antagonizing of those horrible Steve Bartman-esque moments, it put it in perspective and actually in a nice little place in Cubs history now as opposed to this nightmare where people can antagonize you about them. Yeah, and if you were an out-of-town writer covering that World Series, you just, you put, your lead was so, it was so, and then you fill in a blank. It was either so Cub or so Cleveland. And that's all you had to do was write, <laughs> yes. was write the loser. Because one way or another, it was going to turn out to be, we were dealing with, franchises with the longest droughts and that's the way it was going to go but it's interesting that you brought up the idea of where would we be now, had they lost where would we be now besides the manager being you know he would joe madden would be mike quaddy i mean he would be it would be that bad it would be that awful and and where would we be now and i found it interesting that before the before baseball ended before sports ended this year and spring training was was abandoned. They're trying to get it back out there. Ken Rosenthal had talked to Anthony Rizzo, and he did it this week. Rizzo is is part of his foundation. Was expected to deliver 3,500 meals to frontline workers at 23 hospitals in six different states, and they're going to be shipping his. Um, they're going to be shipping a thousand boxes of medical gloves to Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago, 
with about 50 gallons of hand sanitizer set to be delivered to the same facility on Monday. And Anthony Rizzo is not sitting around doing nothing. One of the questions that was at, uh, Ken, Ken Rosenthal asked, it was on the athletic website, was about that this lost season or a partial season about the Cubs window closing. And Rizzo's answer said, I haven't put much thought into that aspect of it, but we talked a lot in spring training about not taking any of these days for granted. Not that we have, but because of that situation, the reality is that if you get off to a bad start, this team could look a lot different at the trade deadline. We were putting a lot of emphasis about getting off to a good start together. We didn't want to have this team broken up. It's almost like Major League when they were selling the team. That The team came together. That was the feeling we had. We didn't want to put ourselves in a position to have to be sellers. We wanted to put ourselves in a position to force management's hand and be buyers. We wanted to be buyers. We've been buyers the past five or six years. We know our front office and Mr. Ricketts would go out and do what, need, what they needed to do to have a championship team. We were locked in on that. So they were... Speaking of last dances, they knew this was their last dance. Now I don't know how it's going to play out, but I found that in in light of our the score replaying Game 7 and your comment, Mark, about what we might be looking at now, that that was weighing on the players, and they talked about it openly. They, had a, they used it seemingly as motivation for as long as they could in spring training. Yeah, I mean, if the Cubs... If they if they lose that game, first of all, back in 2016, then I, I don't think Joe Madden returns. Or if he does, he gets one more year, and then he would have been out after 2017 based on that. Now, I just public opinion would have just mangled him, no doubt about it. And it's interesting, like if there is a baseball season this year for the Cubs, it's going to be last call again because this was supposed to be the year where somebody from the core was traded or gone from the Cubs team, and the only one of those people I suppose would qualify, but not really, is Addison Russell, because that felt inevitable, and it seemed like he had slid out of the Cubs core considering his his off-the-field stuff and, and the fact that he just simply wasn't productive on the field anymore. But none of that dramatic stuff happened. Theo Epstein was not able to find the right trade partner for Chris Bryant, or at least not yet, so... You know, I, I think if there is to be some sort of shortened season, I don't see a scenario anymore where where Chris Bryant is traded or Wilson Contreras or whomever you think may have been traded. So so that if there's a baseball season, this is last call again for the Cubs, and then we'll see after this offseason. There are some uh, texters who agree with you at thinking of that moment, the <laughs> Jay Davis home run and, and what they thought. The Tech Zone, by the way, is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. That, that people are agreeing with that was that was the moment. And, and somebody, a, a 630 texter, said when they blew that lead in game seven, my son changed his Twitter status to quote, these are the Cubs my father warned me about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because right. No, there's no doubt. And it was happening right before our eyes. And it happened. The first moment was a friggin' wild pitch 
allowing two damn runs to score. Hell, I don't even think Joe Madden pulling Kyle Hendricks at the time was a cubby. I mean, it turned out. To, I mean, it was not a good move, but I wasn't. It wasn't like some colossal fail in in the moment because you did have John Lester coming into the ball game. So it's not like you're bringing in some you know horrible reliever or some fifth starter. You're bringing in damn big game John Lester. But those, yeah, the wild pitch, the, the Rajay Davis two-run homer. I mean, there were just things. And I have to say, like, on the other side of that, the way the game started with Dexter Fowler hitting a home run on the fourth pitch of the ball game from Corey Kluber to, what, center field, basically, that that, that, at that point in the game, I'm like, wow, the Cubs are going to win damn game seven of the World Series. Of course, that feeling didn't stick with me until they won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, but they did win. 7-7-9, seven, seven, Dexter. This is, this. I'm sure a lot of Cub fans can understand this. In 2003, I broke my wrist punching my hardwood floor during the Cubs' implosion against the Marlins. When Rajay hit that home run, I picked up my Shih Tzu, walked away from my guests, and watched the rest of the inning from the kitchen. I wasn't going to punch anything holding my pup. Right? Anyway, I cried again last night listening to the ground ball to KB and the aftermath. Yeah, that verified it. We were here for you on that. So yeah, we have um, seen like, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I've just, we'd, we'd, in, in reliving this, parts of it was like, boy, it really actually happened. I needed to hear that again. And then I thought, I, I can't believe that I'm still getting angry about what Joe Madden did to Kyle Hendricks, a guy you should have trusted implicitly. And I, nothing against, I mean, John Lester is a terrific postseason pitcher. He is a, a, a World Series monster. He's got the, the, the jewelry to prove it. But just the fact that you had to do it then or that you had him up in the second inning or whenever it was, like, it's crazy. So I got mad at yeah, him. Yeah, and, and then it got, and then the game gets, obviously gets nervous with, with Carl Edwards Jr. in the in the 10th inning where he couldn't finish it off and, um, you know, Mike Montgomery comes in and gets, uh, was it Michael Martinez? I want to say Michael Martinez was Jose the one to ground out. So. Was oh, it, was it Jose? Yeah. Mar- no, I thought it was Michael Martinez. Martin? Oh, okay. One of them. I don't know. He just, he got somebody to ground out and Chris, Chris Bryant smirked and, and disco Tony Rizzo over first stretched his arms out. And there you go. There was, there was history. That was, that was that. Um, we'll take a break. Top of the hour. We will talk with Melissa Isaacson about the last dance, the Bulls. She was there amid all the chaos, all the mania. But before that, Mark, um, I know you have you have a man crush on somebody you want the Bears to draft. We talked about this, and and one we have two mock drafts. One has your heartthrob going way before the Bears are going to get a chance. And mm. another mock draft has is playing upon Ryan Pace's propensity that we've seen in past years in the draft. So we'll discuss that, and we'll run that by you. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mark Brody, Saturday Suckage. Saturday, I'll emphasize that. 
just so you know what day it is, we're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios. And I want to alert you to this. Last segment, we were talking about some baseball replays. We are presenting NFL Classics after us today. We'll be off the air at 2. So today, at 2 o'clock, will be Super Bowl LIV. I guess that's Liv Tyler's Super Bowl. I guess that's the way it is. Kansas City against San Francisco. And after that, the 1992 AFC wildcard game, Oilers at Bills. All I can say is don't turn it off when you think it's going to be a route. Do not turn it Mm -hmm. off when you think it's Mm -hmm. going to be a route. And tomorrow, tomorrow right here on these airwaves at noon, the score will present the 2010 NFC Divisional Playoff game, Bears 35, Seahawks 24. Bears. That is Jay Cutler's only playoff win. The only one in his career came against what I believe is the worst team to ever make the playoffs. The, I think it was the 7-9 and nine Seahawks. And so it kind of brings right. up the question now, as where the draft is upon us, will the cost of Jay Cutler, and eventually, will the cost of Jay Cutler be worse or more paralyzing than the cost of Mitch Trubisky as the Bears continue to, to devolve into failures every time they make a big deal that involves a quarterback. What do you think, Mark? That might depend on what Nick Foles does, because if Nick Foles bails them out this year, if he is indeed the starter, if there is indeed an NFL season in full, if he succeeds and the Bears succeed, really, I mean, if the Bears succeed this season in some way, shape, or form, then the, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, yeah, if he, he doesn't get in, then obviously that's a bust and that's a failure, but it's not a franchise wrecker. It's just a bad draft pick. Both teams that traded that were involved in were on the business end of a Bears trade for a quarterback would reach and the Super Bowl, and one of them would win it. So just, just saying Denver and, and San Francisco. So your guy, Cesar Ruiz, your mm-hmm. man crush, right? Cesar Ruiz. You were hoping he would be around for the Bears picking at 43 when they made their their first selection, but a second-round pick. Right, right, the guard now, center out of uh, Michigan for people Michigan, who don't yeah. know. Mel Kuyper has him going number 27 to the Seahawks. Hmm. I just clicked don't like. Don't like. <laughs> Okay. All right. I just um, thought I'd update you. And, and guys rise and fall on, on absolutely nothing on draft boards, on, allegedly on draft boards. But here's, um, here's something I found interesting uh, on the CBS Sports website. Um, they ran a mock draft that involved an, a second round trade. The Bears, of course, pick 43 and 50. And this mock draft is a cornerback from Auburn. They make the 43rd pick. They, they, they make the, the choice of the Auburn cornerback, Noah Ibenogeni. And they trade it's actually f- Igbe, It's actually Igbenogany. I've worked Igbenogany? on that Igbenogany? Is it? Yeah, you it know is. Ig- yeah, no, Igbe- seriously. It's Noah Igbenogany. Thank you. Try it. Okay. Try it. Igbenogany. Try it. Igbenogany. Look at me. I did Look that at okay. me. Igbenogany. Igbenogany. 
There you go. Okay. There Thank you, go. you. Very good. So he's yeah. the cornerbacks are choice according to this mock draft on CBS Sports. They trade the fifth number fifty pick to Baltimore for number fifty five, which is still in the second round, and number one thirty four, which is in the fourth round. They don't have a fourth round pick. So with the f- number fifty five, this mock draft has them selecting safety Jeremy Chin of Southern Illinois. And their mm-hmm. new fourth-round pick, they would be selecting Gabriel Davis to replace Taylor Gabriel, a UCF wide receiver. <laughs> Gabriel Davis of UCF. So somebody knowing the way Ryan Pace, but Ryan Pace usually trades up, but he's they got him trading down and picking up a safety in the second round and a wide receiver in the fourth. What would you think about that? Interesting. I mean... I like the idea of you say wide receiver in the fourth round, right? Correct. Didn't I say that? Okay. I I'm actually yeah. I'm actually at the point though where I would prefer the Bears to take a wide receiver with in the second round with number forty three overall. Ooh. And my new guy now, since you, you killed my crush with Cesar Ruiz. Sorry. Um it doesn't mean he's gonna go possible. there. It's not like Mel Kuyper's ever been I <laughs> know like he's perfect. I know, but I've actually seen Ruiz in a couple of late first-round mock drafts, so I'm starting to mm-hmm. think that, you know, we'll see. But I really like Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, wide receiver mm-hmm. out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 238, so big dude, and he's he can fly, 4'4", speed. And he is a guy who some of the scouts believe could be a hybrid, as in play wide receiver, line up at tight end sometimes, you know, a la you tight end type of guy who obviously has the speed and route running capabilities to play wide receiver as well. Another intriguing idea, not with 43 necessarily, but maybe 50 overall, quarterback, quarterback, QB, not not uh, not Ooh. corner, quarter, and a guy that I'm starting to like and to zero in on a little bit more is the Washington quarterback, Jacob Eason. Um, 6'6", 231. He is, um, obviously the size is great. He's got the good arm to go with it, so he's not one of these tall guys who doesn't have a strong arm. He's got a strong arm, pocket passer prototype. That's the only thing that I don't know if, like, if it fit into the Matt Nagy experience, if he's just you know prototype pocket guy. Um, and he's comped to Carson Palmer, thumbs up, Brock Eisweiler, thumbs down so <laughs> so um i don't know i i i like those ideas some of those dramatic ideas i don't know what the like with the bear with the moves that they they just made with with trey burton having been been waived with the re-signing of rashad coward with the with the signing of offensive lineman jason springs with um, I'm missing another offensive lineman that they signed in this offseason this year as well. Um, Jermaine Effetti. Yeah, yeah, Effetti. Effetti. So you have two positions right there. Like, does this mean now that with, with Trey Burton having been, been waived and, and Jimmy Graham been signed, and then you, you have the big pile of tight ends on your roster, 
you know, only a few of which are actually going to contribute. Demetrius Harris probably one of those. And why does it now make it more likely that we should actually be studying up more on the tight ends at in the second round at this point? I'm not. I, I'm not sure what they might do, what he might do, what they value. I don't understand keeping Adam Shaheen, who would have been. If I mean, he would have been cheaper to cut. You're already in so deep with Trey Burton. They must believe one or both things that he'll absolutely not be healthy enough to play because he was such a mess since the the double doink playoff game, right? He missed nine of 17 games in 2019, and that includes that, that ignominious playoff game. And he's had hip surgery and sports hernia surgery and a groin injury. And so they just want to get rid of him. I didn't know. I guess when they signed Jimmy Graham, I thought they'd try to get both of them on there and just see which one, if they could create something different. So it, it apparently was one or the other, or they just said, this guy's never going to be healthy enough for to, for us to trust him. And that's where I think it came down. Yeah, no, I think that that was the case with Burton, that he just, I think trust is a great word. He, he became untrustworthy, whether it was physically or mentally or whatever. He went from a guy who, who they thought was the perfect fit, the quintessential fit for this offense, to being, you know, a non-starter in all sorts of definitions. So now... Right. You had Jimmy Graham's locked in. Demetrius Harris will be on the roster. J.P. Holtz was just brought back. I definitely think there's value there. I definitely think he makes the team. The interesting guys are, you know, the Jesper Horstead thing is interesting because I think he 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 did so, he actually I thought overachieved last year and didn't even have a big season. So you have to take that for what it is. Is there another level in Horstead or is there not? I do think Adam Shaheen will eventually be released. And then one one name too, a guy who I thought was going to be the Jesper Horstead of last year was Dax Raymond, a guy that they liked a lot and is still on the roster right now. We'll see if there's some development there. But really, I don't think Bears fans want to hear about development when it comes to the tight end position. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? I mean, like I love Jesper. For so Horstead, right. right? I mean, you yeah. want a guy who's going to get, and I, I think that that the waving of Trey Burton s- suggested that that the Bears are serious and that they want somebody who they can put in and be good and be credible right away, not be screwing around. We'll get back to some Bears talk uh, next hour, but first we're going to take a break and we are going to discuss the first step in the last dance with somebody who was there for the first three peats. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.